Welcome to the Sports Media Podcast with Richard Deitch. My producer, as always, is Lou Pellegrino. Our guest today is Brett McMurphy. Uh, That name, obviously, is well-known this week in sports media circles. He is a longtime college football reporter and will soon be at Stadium. Of course, Brett McMurphy worked for many years at ESPN, also has a long and distinguished record in newspapers. On Wednesday, he wrote a story on his Facebook account that suggested um, significant evidence that Ohio State coach Urban Meyer knew that a longtime former assistant coach of his had been accused of domestic abuse in 2015. Meyer had said last week that he had not heard of the domestic abuse accusations until recent days. Courtney Smith, the ex-wife of the former assistant coach Zach Smith, who I Um, referred to above, said that Urban Meyer's coach Shelley had extensive knowledge of the abuse allegations. And if you read Brett McMurphy's Facebook post, his story is backed up by text messages and on-the-record reporting. There are no anonymous sources here. And Brett McMurphy, welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. Richard, I appreciate it. All right, Brett, let's start with this. We're going to get to the process of how you did this, but I, I think the biggest question that I... Um, that people asked me to ask you was, why did you break this on Facebook? And obviously the reasons behind that are probably contractual given where you worked and where you will soon be working. Yeah, so I was part of the mass layoffs at ESPN last April, and I had 18 months left on my contract. So we had non-compete clauses in our contract. So what that means in simple terms is if I wanted to go work for some another company, I was free to. But by doing that, ESPN was no longer required to pay me the remainder of my contract. So to get paid the remainder of my contract, I was paid every two weeks, like when I was fully employed there. I could not work for a third party. So basically, for the last 18 months, ESPN continued to pay me every two weeks. So I couldn't work for a third party. However, I was able to you know, tweet on my personal Twitter account, also put information on my personal Facebook account because that was not a third party. So when I got laid off, I had a decision to make. I thought, you know, I can sit on my couch and eat lime Tostitos for the next 18 months, which I did a lot of anyway, and not work and then hope I get a job, find a job in 18 months. Or I can continue to try to report news, break news, via Twitter or Facebook and try to stay relevant. So when my contract's up in August of 2018, then hopefully I'll be more attractive to be hired somewhere else. So basically that's what I did. I said, you know what, I'm going to bust my ass and I'm going to try to keep working. I was fortunate enough to break a number of stories, most notably Joe Moorhead going to Mississippi State, Scott Frost going to Nebraska, which Steve Levy mistakenly said credited it to our own Brett McMurphy, which I probably owe leave you a beer because of all the attention it brought to that. Um, and then, you know, this, this past week, uh, all the stuff going on with Urban Meyer. Um, and so it was just a decision. I just figured the way the industry was, if I didn't stay relevant or try to stay relevant, that I'm, any value I had to a future employer 18 months ago would diminish greatly if I wasn't doing anything for the following 18 months. So I kind of worked while I wasn't working, if you will, and tried to stay relevant, and then here we are today, and I'm making my first appearance on the Richard Deitch podcast. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so Brett, a couple of things that come up here. When specifically does your ESPN contract expire? Midnight on August 12th, approximately. Wow. 
Pretty close. Okay. What could you have if you chose this option? Could you have talked to someone at ESPN and tried to negotiate to place this story, which is arguably the biggest story of the year in college football, uh, with a place like the New York Times or the Washington Post or the Athletic or Sports Illustrated? Did that one? Did that cross your mind? And two, contractually, was that even possible? Well, that didn't cross my mind because by doing that, I would be telling them what story I had, and then that would be a mistake because then they would they would pursue it. And secondly, that's not something that they would get a quick answer out of. I'd have to go through their legal department and then they would have, you know, so that wasn't, that wasn't a choice. Um, I honestly, I really didn't think about it. My biggest issue when I started reporting this, well, I never knew it would lead to this, but as I started writing it and I kept going, I'm like, Oh, I got to add this. I got to add this. And, you know, I'm sensitive to people's attention span. I don't want to, you know, put war and peace on Facebook, I actually got to a point where I told my wife, I said, I need to Google and see if Facebook has a limit on how many characters or words you can put on a post. Because my nightmare was when I'm ready to go with this story and I cut and paste it and put it on Facebook, I get an error message that your 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 post is too large. And then I'd be like, what in the world am I going to do now? So fortunately, I found out that they, they increased the limit of characters for a Facebook post. I think it's some ridiculous number. I didn't get close to it. Um, but yeah, I didn't have any, I didn't have any thoughts of trying to sell the story to anybody. Certainly I wasn't paid. I didn't pay Courtney Smith to talk to me or anything like that. I just said, you know what, I'm going to report this story and, and see what I can find out. And obviously never would have envisioned it. It reached this point. Um, ultimately it started out just, I heard that there were some domestic violence issues with Zach Smith at his times at Florida. I did a couple of public simple public record request, got the information, and then it's been a marble down a, a mountain since then. All right, we'll, we'll get into the specifics of that. We'll, I want to stay on the Facebook stuff just to sort of wrap that part up. When, um, when you posted your story, Brett, what were your expectations? Did you, did you just expect that it might be limited to the college football circles that you're in? Or I, I guess what I'm wondering is this, this is one of the if not, this is if not the biggest story where a reporter uses Facebook as the platform that eventually the traditional places like ESPN and the New York Times and the Washington Post pick it up. I'm not sure I can remember a story that someone posted on a, a sports story that someone posted on their individual account that then became a massive story in traditional um, mainstream media places, not to mention the sports blogosphere. No, I certainly had no idea the impact it would have. I mean, obviously, I know you know how successful Urban Meyer is as a coach. I'd say he's the second best coach behind Nick Saban in college football. Um, you know, but again, as I as I continue to report it and and the the information that I uncovered, I realized, wow, this is getting to be a bigger and bigger story. But no, in my in uh, my biggest expectations, I didn't think it would have this much impact. I mean. You know, I was joking about joining you for the first time, but you know, CNN's reached out to me. I did the Today Show. I was, I actually did, I tweeted. I've been on Sports Center more in the past day than my first five years at ESPN. Um, I've literally had a hundred media requests to do TV, radio. That's not why I did this story. I'm just trying to explain to you the impact. But no, Richard, certainly I, I could never have envisioned that that it would be this big. But I guess I'm too far in the weeds with it. But I guess people are, you know, I had, I had a, a 
person I know very well that I, it's one of my good sources and she has a 19 year old daughter and she has nothing to do with this story. She's in another, another area of the country. And she texted me and said, Hey, I just want to let you know, I loved your story and I sent it to my 19 year old daughter because she, I want her to know about domestic violence and all the, all the uh, pitfalls of that. And also on, on a side note that, you know, you basically reported this on your own. You, you didn't work for a big media company. And if you want to do something, you can do it. You don't have to be aligned with a behemoth media company to, to do these type of things. And that, you know, that really touched me a lot. All right. Eventually, Brett, I want to end this with sort of um, ESPN letting you go and what that has been like for you over the last couple of months. And then the, I mean, beyond spectacular irony that they are the ones requesting you today, uh, yesterday <laughs> and today, to you know to 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 be on their airwaves. I mean, the the irony of that really can't be overstated. But before that, let's let's sort of give um, the listeners a timeline of the pro- as well as some details on the process. When did you first approach or become aware of Courtney Smith and her story? I don't have the exact date, Richard, but it was it was approximately about three or four weeks ago. Um, and it wasn't necessarily Courtney Smith. It was it was mainly Zach Smith. And then I started looking in, into it. I, the first thing I did is I made a simple public records request with the Gainesville Police Department. And voila, I get a 2009 arrest report when Zach Smith was a graduate assistant at Florida, a detailed police incident report that I posted on my Facebook page. Um, I then researched it had never been reported. I'm guessing that the Florida beat guys that are usually real aggressive, and I think they are aggressive. This is not a shot at them. But the guy was a grad assistant. Um, Courtney um, eventually dropped the charges. So um, he was never convicted. And so maybe that's why that went under the radar. So as I started looking into that, calling around, looking into Zach Smith, I then made a a public records request with the Palo, Ohio Police Department. Now, at this point, we're talking about Friday before Big Ten, excuse me, Saturday before Big Ten Media Days. I get back through my public records request that Courtney Smith has been issued a dom- domestic violence civil civil order protection against Zach Smith. It actually happened on Friday. And I look around, it's not been reported. The only thing that has been reported publicly publicly at this time about Zach Smith is that he had a trespass warning, I believe, two days prior to that. So I'm like, wow, this is unbelievable. I also just happened to be going to Big Ten Media Days. That was a total coincidence. When I got laid off, I said, I want to try, I need to go out to these media days. I need to remind these coaches that I'm not dead, that I'm still alive, that I will continue working somewhere at some point for a, for a media outlet. And so I just happened to have it scheduled that I would go to Big Ten. On Monday morning, I report what had not been reported. Zach Smith arrested in 2009. Zach Smith served, excuse me, with the domestic violence civil order. That was Monday morning, about 8 a.m. in Chicago. About an hour later, Ohio State puts out a release that says, uh, this is a personnel matter. We usually don't comment about these things publicly. And that was the end of their statement. Later on that day, about 5 p.m., I then reported the 2015 incident. I had a copy of the police report. I reported it. At that time, um, no one else had reported it. Fifty minutes after I reported that, Zach Smith was fired. 
We go the next day to Tuesday. Urban Smith, you've seen the, everyone's seen the clip about 2015. He basically says, why would someone create a story like that? So I'm thinking to myself, why in the world is Urban Meyer denying he knows about 2015 when I've seen the police documents? Well, the problem was, I find out later that actually those documents had been sealed by Zach Smith's attorney. I didn't realize that at the time. I did know, though, that, that for some reason they weren't available um, for a public through public records request. The Powell, Ohio Police Department then made those documents available later Tuesday, ironically, about an hour after Ohio State's media availability ended, that basically verified what I reported was accurate. And so then when that happened, then I'm like, okay, this timeline does, does not make any sense. How did, you know, what else is going on? I continued to report. I, you know, went down different avenues, hit some brick walls. I kept pursuing it. Eventually, I was able to track down Courtney Smith. She agreed to talk to me. I spent three days in Columbus, um, went over all the, all the evidence, documents, text messages, everything she had. And the first thing I told her was, look, Courtney, I, I will believe you. I'll believe everything you tell me until you give me a reason not to believe you. But you have to be 100 percent honest. The other thing is, this is not going to be a he said, she said story. I said, I want to see I want to see hard evidence. I said, you don't have to convince me. You have to convince everybody out there that's not going to believe that you're telling me the truth. So if you tell me something and you can't verify it with documentation, I'm not going to put it in my story. And I think you mentioned this earlier. That's what I'm most proud about this report. There's no, there's not one unnamed source in this story. There's not one unnamed bit of information in this story. Everything is police reports, text messages, emails, documents, direct quotes from either Urban Meyer or Courtney Smith or text, me text messages, um, exchanges between Courtney and a number of wise on the Ohio State coaching staff. So I guess to wrap it up, when I first started this, looking into Zach Smith at Florida, I would, never would have envisioned it would ultimately end with what looks like the end of Urban Meyer's career. And I think it's all because Urban Meyer's Tuesday press conference and how he responded and said he had no knowledge of that. If he answers in any other way, saying, I knew about it, but I, you know, we decided not to do anything. He was never convicted. I take responsibility for that. Domestic violence is a serious issue. We need to do better on that. It's all on me. Whatever he says, he's going to catch some blowback, and then, it, and then Wednesday gets here, and he's still the coach. But it all changed when Urban went all in on he didn't know. Brett, how did you first reach out to Courtney Smith? I think people would be interested in, do you cold call her? Do you cold email her? And what is her, does she know you prior to your reaching out? And how, and how do you get to get it to the point where you go from the initial introduction to her being comfortable enough to sit down with you? It, excuse me. Uh, she, I had never talked to her before. Um, it was one of these, a friend of a friend of a friend. And I said, can you vouch for me? Can you tell her what I've done? I'd love to tell her story. Um, you know, I don't work for anybody. I have no agenda. I will just, I will tell her story. Um, and the thing is at that point, she, and you know, she, she ultimately agreed. Actually, the first time that she contacted me, she called me from a phone that was not her phone. And she said, is this Brett McMurphy? And I said, hi. And I was actually, uh, I was, I forgot. I was somewhere, but I actually couldn't talk, and I felt horrible. I'm like, hey, I, I, I apologize. I got it. I have to call you back. Let me call you back. And so, like, six hours went by, and I was literally getting ready to call her back, and I got a call, and I answered it. 
And she goes, hey, this is Courtney. And I said, wait, this is a different number. And she goes, she goes, yeah, I called you from, from a friend's phone. I didn't want to give you my number, so I didn't know if I could trust you. But I, I did some research, and I feel comfortable talking to you. So at that point, I said, look, I'd love to talk to you. What, you know, what, what, I want to hear your story. And our first conversation on the phone went for about two hours. And, you know, as I started looking into what she was telling me, the next thing I thought of is I need to get with her in person. This is not a story you do over the phone. I need to get with her in person and I need to go over every single bit of information she's told me. I need to confirm the dates. I need to confirm that I understand what she told me correctly. I I told her if we have a hundred things correct in this story and there's one thing that's wrong, all everyone's going to do is point out at the one thing that's wrong. I said, everything has to be accurate on this. And at that point, again, this was just her chance to tell her story about Zach Smith. And again, the reason she told, one of the reasons she told me she, she wanted to discuss it was that when she left him in June of 2015, they legally separated in November of 2015. The divorce was final in September of 2016. She told me she thought at that point, that process, the harassment, the abuse would stop. Obviously, you look at the Palo Ohio Police Depart- Department report. He has, has allegedly assaulted her in October of 2015 after this, after she left him. And then there was a menace by stalking uh, charge in November of 2015. So the assault and the harassment did not stop after she left him. And then finally, she said at one point, you know, after she said she was assaulted, she said, I, I have to, my life is in danger. I have to do something right now. And so she started planning to leave him. And at that point, when she had divorced him, then there was no fear of, of, you know, him being, um, I don't know if re- 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 retaliation is the right word, but basically he had to, she had to rely on him for income because she didn't work since he was a full-time assistant at Marshall in 2010. So, you know, there was no longer that fear of dependency that now that she was separated, she was on her own, divorced, and now she wanted to tell her story. So in, the, in my process of reporting all that, I'm looking at all this information, and, I'm, and at one point I'm like, well, did, did Urban, what is, was Urban's reaction? Did Urban know? And she goes, well, yeah, he knew. Look at this, this, and this. And I said, well, did you specifically ever talk to him about this? And she said, no. We had some discussions. She recalled the discussion in the Columbus airport after they returned from the national winning the national title after the 2014 season. She said Urban told her, asked or saw her in the airport and just basically said, hey, are you okay? Are you guys doing okay? Well, he could have known that they had the issues back in 2009. He could have been referencing the recent things, or he could have just been, hey, are you guys okay? So I did not include that in the story because I don't think that admits that Urban Meyer knew about it. Um, But basically, that's where we got to where we are. And the more I talked to her, then the story not only became the abuse of Zach Smith, but based on what Urban said at Big Ten Media Days, now it was Urban denying that he knew about this when it clearly shows he knew about it. Brett, you um, you said that you wanted to interview her in person. So you went to interview her in Ohio? Is it, I, um, Columbus, yes. Okay, so you went in Columbus. Is this a, did you interview her multiple times? What If you can, what was the duration of those interviews? How long were they? And... Uh, and, and let's just start with Aaron. I, I got some follow-ups on that. Yeah, I, I was there for three days. Uh, first day, I talked to her probably for about two, 
two hours, two and a half hours, and she had to go get her kids. Um, I then talked to her Monday. It was probably, oh, another hour, hour and a half. Sunday, I got a lot accomplished. Um, then I went back and looked at stuff to make sure I, I had everything um, you know, lined up. I wanted to get establish a timeline of everything also. Monday, I went back with follow-up questions. I told her if she had any additional information that she had thought about. I mean, she had so much information that she would tell me. And I would, <laughs> I literally forgot that she would tell me something and she'd be like, Oh, I already told you that. And then I'd go back and look and I'm like, Oh my God, I've got to get this in. Um, and then Tuesday, uh, the final day probably spent <clears throat> two or three hours with her. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was an eventful trip and I was able to enjoy skyline chili while I was there too. You interview her one-on-one or did she have some kind of legal representation or maybe family or friends with her? One-on-one, no one else. Interesting. Um, in terms of one of the things, obviously, that's um, that's a uh, – I don't know what the word would be. Um, provocative is probably not the right word, but certainly I think um, highly influential would be the text messages that are in your story clearly provided from her. Can you give listeners just the idea of what the process was of her feeling comfortable enough to share this evidentiary stuff with you? Again, I think ultimately she wanted she wanted her her side of this story told. I mean, she had been abused for so long. I mean, the first time Zach abused her was, ironically, sadly, on their one year wedding anniversary. Um, she was eight to ten weeks pregnant, so this she had been dealing with this stuff for a long time, and the fact that she had been divorced, she was felt she was free of him, but the harassment had not stopped until she got the protection order filed on Friday. So basically, um, you know, she was open because I, I told her, I said, I, you know, if, if you tell me whatever fact you're going to tell me and you can't back it up with some type of information, like if you tell me, well, yeah, all the coaches' wives knew, well, at, prove, prove that to me, you know, prove it to the people that aren't going to believe it. And then she's like, okay, well, here, here's the text messages. She literally showed me hundreds of text messages. I read every single one. Um, she showed me photos of the abuse she suffered. She, you know, shared with me emails. Um, she shared with me, uh, you know, the police reports. Um, she shared me all this information and, you know, a couple of people interviews I did said, you know, because I only, I was only able to post, you know, a few, um, of the text messages on Facebook, but they're like, well, how do you know she didn't make those? I mean, you can just create those own. I'm like, Okay, if you, if you saw all the text messages she had, it literally would take you over a year to reproduce all those and then put them in files and and also to designate when you click on right click and it shows you the date it was sent and all these things. I mean, it would be impossible to to be able to fabricate something like that. But she was she was very open. I was fortunate she she trusted me, um, you know, and she shared everything she had with me. Brett, did you reach out to um, Urban Meyer and Shelly Meyer for a response? I didn't. I did not, Richard, because um, somebody asked me that the other day, and I said Urban Meyer said Tuesday he had no knowledge of it. What am I supposed to do? Go back to him and say, "Hey, Urban, I've got more evidence. Do you want? Do you want to change your quote?" I mean, he was very defiant. He was very clear. He had no knowledge of it. I didn't feel the need to talk to Shelly Meyer about it because of the text message exchange that I saw between her and Courtney. And quite frankly, 
at that point, I was fearful if I reached out to, well, I wasn't going to reach out for Urban because he already commented on it. Um, And by reaching out to Shelly, perhaps I should have, but I was also fearful that if I did that, then the story would get out through other avenues. Um, And quite frankly, this is probably the wrong response, but it's the honest response. Um, Shelly Meyer, whatever Shelly Meyer said at that point, wasn't going to change what I knew about the the conversations that they had had and the text message exchanges that they had had. Brett, I saw the interview that Courtney Smith did with Kristen Balboni. Again, this is my opinion. I found Courtney Smith incredibly believable. The fact that um, she answered every question, the fact that she sat down on camera with Kristen Balboni uh, tells me a lot. Um, I, I don't know this for a fact, but you've said you didn't pay her. I don't believe Stadium paid uh, Courtney Smith as well. Uh, when you saw that interview, Brett, did what Courtney Smith tell uh, what Courtney Smith told Kristen Balboni on during that interview? Does that match up with what she told you in um, in interviews one on one with you? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, she actually I, I did get a chance to watch the interview, and she actually provided um, some details and specifics beyond what she had told me. Um, I, I thought it was very compelling. I thought. Courtney was very poised, very level-headed. She, you know, I mean, she was always believable to me. I thought she came across very well and told her story very well. And, uh, you know, I, I was very impressed, um, you know, having done some, some TV in the past and, and those type of interviews, you know, that's not easy for somebody to do, especially somebody in, in her position. But, um, you know, I, I was very impressed with it. And um, I actually, you know, she provided some information in that interview that I wasn't previously aware of. Hmm. Um, what was that specifically? Um, I, I think there was a reference to a con- uh, specific conversation with Shelly Meyer. She said where she told Shelly, Shelly told her, you have to, you have to tell Urban. And Courtney said, we'll tell Urban. She, Courtney had told me something along those lines. Um, when I had talked to her, but I guess it wasn't that specific or maybe she just phrased it differently. Um, but, but that jumped out. And then also in, this was probably a, um, you know, something that I wish I would have done a better job on my story is I really, because I'm a sports reporter, I really didn't get into much of the angle of how hard this has been on her as a mother of two children and trying to raise her children and to hear her say that basically one of the reasons tell Kristen, one of the reasons she got out of the, out of the relationship is because she didn't want her son to grow up like Zach. If he saw this type of behavior in the household. And I was like, I was like, Holy, Holy, Holy cow. I mean, so that's one, one, if I could do over again, I wish I would have gone into more of that with her. But then again, my my reporting was more of a news type story where after watching the the stadium interview obviously Kristen was more of like a personality piece um but i i thought it was very well done and um you know i was i was impressed today's episode of the sports media podcast with richard deitch is brought to you by buffalo wild wings a great man once said baseball is the wings of sport it didn't really make sense at that time and it doesn't really make sense now but we're still inclined to agree because baseball is great and wings are great. And you can find both at Buffalo Wild Wings. 
And because baseball has pop flies and wings help you fly, eh, well, we don't know about that. But maybe the man was saying baseball is America's game and wings are America's chicken. That makes sense. Don't dwell on it. The point is we've got baseball, we've got delicious wings, and all we're missing is you. Come for the wings and stay for the baseball. Buffalo Wild Wings, Wings Beer Sports. Brett, one of the things that would happen at a place, the places I've worked at, Sports Illustrated or The Athletic, if a person had your story, there would have been lawyers vetting the piece. There would have been lawyers talking to the writers and the editors to make sure that everything, um, you know, that, that, that every sort of everything legally had been um, taken care of. There would have been fact checkers, obviously, fact checking the reporting of the writer. Did you have anyone prior to hitting publish on Facebook um, who's a lawyer or has some kind of legal background look at the piece, or did you just report the piece and hit the button? I did not have any lawyers look at it. <clears throat> I had two individuals who are employed um, currently elsewhere that I will not reveal that I ran ideas by. I had them look at it. I asked them, I want you to look at this and tell me if there's any screw ups. I need this has to be 100% locked in. And I confi- confided in those two friends of mine um, that are in the media business. And they, they were, if you will, they were my fact checkers, if you will. But no, I had no legal um, representation, look at it or anything like that. Because again, everything in there is documented. There's not an unnamed source or anything in there. So I really didn't feel the need, quite frankly, to have lawyers look at this. But certainly if I would have been at a media company, I'm sure lawyers would have wanted to go over everything and and have their opinion on what could or could not be reported. Got one more for you before we hit the ESPN part. Um, Brett, you're smart enough to know that we live in an age now where there's a lot of animus towards the media. Uh, We have uh, political leaders calling the media the enemy of the people. Um, constantly saying that everything is fake news. College football, you know this better than me, has very, very rabid fans who sometimes will um, essentially just uh, defend the program, oftentimes above even evidence that right that's right in front of them. Uh, how concerned are you, if you are concerned, about the reaction from the Ohio State fan base to you specifically, to your social media accounts, et cetera? Oh, I'm not worried at all. I don't, I mean, Richard, anytime, you know, I can, <laughs> I can tweet a, a bowl matchup and somebody's going to fire back at me about something. So, um, I, I honestly, I don't read comments that much anymore. Um, you know, I, when I worked at the Tampa Tribune, I would, anytime somebody would email me, I would always make a point to email them back. I try to, I try to continue doing that. Um, you know, if people take the time to send you a, an email on you an idiot and effing you or whatever, if they take the time to send an email, well, I'll send them, I'll send them a response. Um, obviously on Twitter, on Facebook, it just, it, it flash, flows through so fast, especially on a story like this. Um, I, I can't remember who mentioned it, but they said, dude, your, your Twitter mentions, it looks like, it's, it looks like coins falling out of a slot machine right now. So I can't really I can't really look at them all. Uh, if there's a lot of negative out there, a lot of positive, I can't see it. All I know is the people that I respect the most and whose opinions I value the most are, are, are pe- other people in the media that I've known 
um, for 20 or 30 years and then friends and family. And all I know is, is the response that I've, I've heard from them. And it's all been very positive. And basically, I've been overwhelmed. I can't say that enough. Overwhelmed by other journalists reaching out and saying, what a great job. This is, you know, journalism is still alive. Um, tremendous reporting. And I think of all the, all the different things that have been um, from other reporters and media, I, I literally have only seen one negative reaction to me. And I don't want to give the person, uh, I don't want to mention his name because I don't want to draw any attention to him, quite frankly. But he questioned on what, basically he insinuated I wrote this article because I had a vendetta against Urban Meyer because I, well, I never covered Urban Meyer at Florida. I covered the University of South Florida. So other than that, it's been, you know, 99% positive from the people that I value their opinion. All right, Brad, I want to end it with this. And had you been on the podcast, just sort of, if this story doesn't come out, I would have probably done 40 minutes with you on this. Um, in April of 2017, you were part of mass layoffs at ESPN when they let a lot of front-facing staffers, basically front-facing means that we either see you on camera or read you, or read your byline. Um, the thing about your... Um, layoff, and this would be true of people like Jay McManus and Ed Werder and many others, were ob- 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 in any kind of objective form, you were all doing exceptional work that was valuable to the company. And I get it, like, you know, ESPN builds a $140 million studio and Disney comes in and says cuts and people got to get cut, blah, 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 whatever. But there, there should be, at least at some base level, some kind of meritocracy in terms of keeping people who are really exceptional at their job and providing value to the company. I don't know how often you've talked about this, Brett, but I I know this personally because we have talked. How stunned were you when you got the call that day that they were letting you go? I was very stunned because I I was mistaken that I thought because I had 18 months, I would be safe. Actually, the people that had the longest uh, term contracts were the one that, that were let go. And if everyone goes, why would you let go of somebody if they have a long-term contract? Mark May had, I don't know, three, four, five years left. Um, a number of people had um, long-term deals left. Well, they, what happened is I think ESPN was pr- pretty diabolical about it. Basically, they realized that if we let go of these aggressive, hardworking reporters, journalists, studio, studio analysts, they are not going to want to sit out for one year, two years, three years, and not work. So what they're going to do is they're going to go find another job, and then we're off the hook for paying in the remainder of their contract. The problem is ESPN laid off so many people. There were other layoffs at other companies. The market was flooded. So basically no, nobody could go work anywhere. So ESPN um, you know, had to pay out all these contracts. I mean, I was stunned. I'm not going to say I got the raw end of the deal because you, know, you named people that were laid off that were hundreds of others. But, you know, you look at somebody like Andy Katz. I mean, he was Mr. ESPN. He did everything there and he got laid off. So when they lay off somebody like Andy Katz, I mean, I can't sit here and and gripe about sour grapes. But one thing that surprised me, and I wonder if they, you know, regret this decision. When I got laid off, I asked my supervisor, because I'm based in Tampa, Florida. I said, look, I will no longer fly to Bristol. I will not take any trips. I will just sit here in Tampa and I will I will try to break news however I can, via phone, via text, whatever. I will continue to report from Tampa. You're still paying me for the 
for the next 18 months, I will have no expenses. So it will be no additional cost to you. Can I still continue at the company and you don't have to pay me? You, you just, it's, you're paying me anyway, but can you, will you allow me to continue to work? And their answer was no. If they, if they would have, they would have had the Urban Meyer story. Did you make that pitch to what you were like immediate supervisor or human, the, human resources? The, who indi- that, the who, individual who that, that to? told me I was laid off. Okay. You don't want to mention that person? I Is don't. that why you're no, not giving a name? No. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, listen, the, the, <laughs> again, the irony of, of the SPN re-reporting your piece given that they had employed you for five years is and they're still paying and they're, they're still paying me too, by the way. And th- right they're Yeah. yeah they're, that's it, the amazing. Irony. So here, here is, um, a text from, um, someone who covers sports media, who e- who texted me last night and saw that you had done a lot of ESPN shows yesterday. You were on Scott Van Pelt's show. Um, you did sports center, I think multiple times. I don't know if you did any ESPN radio shows. Maybe you did. You might've actually, after we tape this, uh, this morning, get up, um, some of the other stuff. So here's what I just want you to respond to this. Cause I, I don't think this is an unfair question. They fought. This is you. They're t- he's talking about, they fired him, waited hours to give him credit for a scoop. And now he's providing content for them. He should go on every show network website, except ESPN. Why is he going on ESPN? So I'll ask you. Why did you decide to go on all these ESPN shows? Well, the the people that are asking me to put me on their shows had no involvement or no decision in me being laid off. I understand that's the company. And the other thing is, and I actually talked to my wife about it, and she's like, you know, look, they're they're giving you the opportunity to go on the shows. Why not do it? I mean, you know, yeah, you you can sit there and say, oh, I'm pissed off. I'm not going to go on this show. I'm going to show them or whatever. Um, she goes, look, you've, you've already showed them, you know, you've already, you've already, you know, showed them that they made a mistake by, by all the stories that you've reported. So why not go on there? I mean, you know, if you're, if you're on the air, they have to credit you. They, They can't say you're not Brett McMurphy on the air. So why not do it? So, I mean, there was mixed emotions, but again, you know, everybody, um, that I've done shows with, with ESPN, I have no issues with any of those guys. I mean, they were some of the people that first texted me when I broke the story and said, man, you are crushing it. We wish you were here. We miss you. I mean, I know these people. I know, you know, a number of these people, but they've got better things in their life to do than send me, send me fake text messages, you know, pretending like they're happy for me. And that, you know, that meant a lot. So, um, you know, even though, you know, I would have preferred not to get laid off by ESPN in a weird way, maybe this was the best thing that could ever happen to me. Yeah. And I, you know what, interestingly enough, if I was your agent, I would say to you, Brett, I realize like on a visceral level, you're ticked off at them. You have every right to be, but in terms of, um, where you want to head for your future, Take advantage of this massive distribution engine. Take advantage of a million people watching Sports Center at night. Take advantage of um, you know two hundred thousand people watching Get Up and get your story out there and go on there and show other employees you're a good reporter. Not to mention, and this is very important, but um, you know what what often gets lost in this, and I think you know this is Courtney Smith has an important story to tell about her um, alleged abuse. Particularly, I, I don't think it's alleged at all, and about um, the, a woman trying to sort of go against a larger system and you helped give her 
voice. And too often, we, we the story becomes about what's going to happen with Ohio State? Is Urban Meyer going to survive? The story really should be about Courtney Smith and this abuse. Um, so in that sense, I think you give her voice from going on um, the ESPNs. But, but I also understand on a base level, too, which is what my sports media colleagues said, like, you know, McMurphy, McMurphy's providing content for them. And... You know, they basically threw him, um, threw him <laughs> overboard 17 months ago. So I, I respect. I, I it's not an easy dilemma, and I appreciate if nothing else that you, um, that you thought about it. All right, l- let me finish up with this, Brett. Where, what's next now in the reporting for you of this story? Without giving away, if you have any kind of um, inf- information you want to uh, say for the story itself, um, you're going to continue to report the story. Are you going to report what Ohio State's. Um, um, where they go on Urban Meyer, and obviously what happens with Courtney Smith now legally too. Right. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I, I will continue to pers- pursue this story. I can. I can honestly tell you that I do not have anything, and I'm ready to hit the send or post button on my Facebook page at this moment. But like a- anyone else, I will continue um, to to report this. Obviously, now that it's out, the the sharks are circling. Everybody's going to be. All the national and local media will be looking at different angles, trying to uncover whatever other evidence that's out there. And I'm sure there's other stuff out there. I'll continue to pursue it. And when I do get information that I think is valid and legit, then I'll, I'll, I will report it as I had in the past. Um, one quick other thing I just thought of it, about this whole process thing. The one thing I learned in the last 18 months, it made it more cl- clear than anything and when I first got to ESPN five years ago, I thought, man, I'm at ESPN. This is awesome. It's unbelievable. Obviously, it, it raised my um, you know, profile nationally and all that stuff. But what I found out in the last 18 months, you can stay relevant on Twitter or Facebook. If you've got good information, if you've got solid information, people are going to find you. And basically, that's what I learned. It's all, it, in a weird way, it's almost like we don't really need these giant media corporations anymore because we can get our message out. And I think you're seeing this with a lot of athletes that, you know, basically when they have any type of news, they just post it on their, their Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, instead of going through the traditional route of calling up a writer and having them break the story. That was one of the things that kind of, you know, dawned on me during these last 18 months is, wow, maybe I'm, I'm not going to be so insignificant at all if I can just, keep reporting news, people are going to find me. That's well said, Brett, and you're, you're exactly right about that. All right, last thing I want to talk about is your own um, future. You, um, I believe this might have even be my reporting. I don't remember. You, are you, <laughs> can you confirm that you, are, that you are heading to stadium at a certain point to be a, um, an on-air reporter for them or an on-air insider for them? Yeah, I, I started stadium on August 13th. I will be a college football insider there. Uh, we'll be doing on-air reports. Um, my role for this fall has not been solidified, but I do have the opportunity also to, to do sidelines for games that they broadcast, college football games, and, and or be a third man in the booth for college football games. Obviously, this is, is opportunities I did not have at ESPN, and I think would complement what I can bring as, as a news reporter. And uh, I have cannot confirm this, but I've seen reports that Jeff Goodman is also going there. And so I'm really excited. Um, that's great. And best of luck um, with that. The The other question would be that, does that mean that there is still, do you have the option or opportunity to also have a employer where you were strictly writing for you? Or 
is, would stadium be exclusive in that for the moment your your work is going to be um, you know video based or digital video based as opposed to any kind of uh, uh, straight writing somewhere? Uh, I I will be writing also for Stadium, um, but uh, you know I think it again haven't finalized all the details, but I I could have opportunities to put stuff on my Facebook page if it's something that maybe Stadium's not uh, you know maybe doesn't have a place for. Obviously, any breaking news information will be reported um, for Stadium, um, so that will be, that will be the main outlet for for my uh, news breaks or news information. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's. Um... Uh, interestingly enough, you probably have earned some money for stadium prior to even your <laughs> formal working there, given all the attention that this story un- uh, rightly has uh, has gotten. All right, Brett McMurphy, um, as anyone in college football knows, is one of the um, is one of the people in the sport you have to read and you have to watch and you have to listen to for his information. As he said, he's going to be at stadium in a couple of weeks. Obviously, this week his story on his Facebook account about Courtney Smith and um, and what she said about um, the domestic abuse that she has faced in relation to Urban Meyer and what he did know or what he did not know is the biggest story, um, I would argue, of the year in college football, at least at this point. Uh, Brett, it goes without saying, this is like really remarkable work. And the fact that you did it via your Facebook page is just like in itself – a fascinating story for sports media in 2018. We've known each other for a long time, and I, I certainly wish you the best of luck for Stadium. I, I'm glad to see that in the post, um, in your post-ESPN world, uh, I think you've landed at a great spot. So thanks so much for being a guest, and uh, I am sure that we will, uh, our paths will cross again in, um, in some way. Thanks very much for giving me uh, this amount of time today on the Sports Media Podcast. Absolutely, Richard. Anytime. Really appreciate it. All right, back in the studio. My thanks to Brett McMurphy for his time. And uh, I, I think that's probably the most detailed explanation on the process of this. So, you know, people who are people who, who read the story and certainly a, the interest in Ohio State land is going to be great. They can listen to Brett and make their decision about his reporting. But I think it's pretty clear, pretty rock solid reporting, at least in my opinion. Previous guests on the Sports Media with Richard Dice podcast. Last week we had Frank Isola, Clifton Brown, and Ben Ryder. And uh, Frank Isola with incredibly candid words on being let go from Tronk after 25 years at the Daily News. So um, that that is, I think, an interesting journalism podcast for you. Prior to that, Conrad Thompson, the, uh, the pod father at this point of three immensely popular wrestling podcasts and sort of how he's doing what, um, what he's doing. And then just go down the list of... Um, Guests from uh, Molly Sullivan to Adnan Virk to Carissa Thompson, Joe Tessator, Doris Burke, Cheryl Reeve. Please, uh, if you're interested in this kind of content, uh, go to Apple Podcasts, go to Sports Media with Richard Deitch, and sign up. Leave us a review so Mr. Pellegrino and I can eat. We would definitely appreciate that. For Cadence 13, for Lou Pellegrino, this is Richard Deitch. We'll see you again on the Sports Media Podcast.